Welcome to Camping Out, a podcast about interesting people, stories, adventures, and their impact in the world, usually through the lens of outdoor adventure. Tonight, we sit around the campfire with Nathan Dicker. Nathan is the mastermind behind the brand Stoked, which seeks to revolutionize the way outdoor athletes train for their respective sports. Nathan is looking to combine his love of outdoor places, kinesiology, and exercise science into these exercise platforms specifically designed to help any outdoor athlete excel at their craft. While Nathan is focusing many of these exercises on rock climbing currently, he's also an avid whitewater paddler and hopes to expand into that as well. In this episode, we talk about how it's really important to be open and honest with all of your adventures, sharing even the bad lines and the stories of when you messed up. We also touch on how important it is to recognize when you're building your identity around a sport and how crucial it is to step back and realize what truly makes you a happy human being. Go ahead and pour yourself your preferred fireside beverage and get ready to listen to Nathan Dicker. Welcome to Camping Out. I am Dan Camp, and tonight I'm sitting around the campfire with Nathan Dicker. Nathan is an outdoor athlete whose passion lies in helping others learn how to climb as well as how to train their bodies and to push their own abilities even further. With over six years of climbing, over three years of coaching, and a plethora of other skills under his belt, Nathan is developing training plans that are rooted in science and backed by personal results. On top of his climbing expertise, Nathan is also a whitewater paddler who has spent time guiding others as well as taking on the river in a hard shell kayak. It's his own connection with wild spaces and the joy to be found there that continues to drive Nathan to fine tune his craft. Nathan Dicker, welcome to Camping Out, my friend. Happy to finally connect, my man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you and learn more about what you're doing as well. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's start this thing off where I start every conversation. Uh, what is your preferred fireside beverage? And I know you're 20 years old, so it might be different on podcast than it is around a typical fire, but yeah, preferred fireside beverage. Well, uh, allegedly I'm currently in the European union as far as we know. So I'm going to go with a uh, snow melt, hard seltzer, pre- preferably the ones with electrolytes, because, you know, if you're hydrating as you drink, it's not the same thing. Right. Uh, but if I was in this, if I was going to say I was in the States, I would say I'm probably just going to be drinking some water, maybe some tea or coffee and just enjoying the evening. Right on, my man. I am actually having uh, a Devil's Hump Red Ale. It's brewed uh, in Missoula, actually. And I picked this beer because we actually had talked about meeting up this spring in Missoula. We didn't have a chance to yet, but it's on our list of, of trips to do uh, here, hopefully in the next year or two. Yeah, I hoping to get out there as soon as possible i've heard only great things about montana great things it's it's the uh i've been to a lot of states um i've lived down in florida i've lived up in northeast wisconsin and you know those are both wonderful but there's something about the big sky country man yeah i've my i've only lived i grew up in california i was born just outside la and basically lived there since i was born till um this past august when i moved out to Fort Collins permanently. I really count last year because I only got about six months of time in Colorado, but now I'm officially living here and I can't like express how much I love it here compared to California. California's got its pluses, but it's just not the place for me. Right, right. And what brought you out to, to uh, Fort Collins, you said? Um, the main reason, honestly, was the climbing. A lot of it, I mean, I was looking at colleges and uh, CSU, Colorado State, taught my mind. 
as well as some others in the area. I was also looking at Boulder and University of Utah. And just by visiting all of them and just my like passion for climbing, Fort Collins just seemed like logically the best choice. And it definitely is from my time being spent here because I've spent a decent amount of time out in Boulder and Salt Lake. And frankly, I don't think, I think I definitely made the right choice even in hindsight. So it's, it's a really nice place. It's really like quiet, really nice community. And you can't, you can't beat the Rockies. You can't beat the Rockies. You cannot. Uh, well, there's a lot to to, uh, to get into with you because I think uh, you're on a really cool mission and you're, you're getting into some really cool things, especially as a 20-year-old dude. Uh, but before I get too excited about those things, I'd love for you to take a couple of minutes, introduce yourself, how you got into climbing and outdoor recreation, and we'll go from there. Awesome. So yeah, let me give a little bit of a brief introduction. A lot of it might tie into what we talk about later, but I've always been somewhat outdoorsy. Um, my dad always loved camping, skiing, uh, all those activities. Um, his best friend has a ranch, so we'd go hang out there. So I was always pretty involved with outdoor activities. And as I grew older and kind of like found my like own identity, I realized a lot of it was, or not a lot of it, basically all of it surrounded those activities and other ones I came to love. Um, when I was seven was when I first went on my whitewater rafting trip. and. Nice. It was just, I was, I loved it off the bat. I, we went every year. I was that little kid who would just, I wanted to ride the bull on every single rapid. I just want to be at the front of the boat, getting yeah. uh, pounded by waves. And then also from the start, I was also really, really interested in actually just the, um, the way you go down the river. I always was really fascinated with the guides, how they paddled, rode, et cetera. And so that's a lot of like what drove my passion to like want to do it myself and want to take myself and others down the river. Um, and then rap, the climbing came a lot later. I didn't start climbing until I was around 14. And at that time in my life, it was kind of a little, almost not a hiatus per se, but just I wasn't as involved in the outdoors as I am now. Mm-hmm. I was a lot, I was one of those kids. I played a lot of video games. I didn't really do I didn't do any sports. I was pretty out of shape at this point. Um, yeah. I, my parents needed to find something for me to do act, active wise because they were kind of worried that I was being so sedentary. So right. um, they kept like trying to find things. Like I went to the gym for like a month or two before I was just bored of it. I wasn't excited at all. And then they kind of forced me actually to take this top rope class at my local gym, um, which I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay home that morning and find <laughs> along those lines. Yeah. But I went, they forced me to go. Um, and I was literally hooked when I, right off the bat, I took the class. I thought it was so much fun. And I would, I went every, from there on, I joined the gym and we would go. Uh, it wasn't super consistent at first, maybe, maybe twice a week, maybe once every other week, depending on how I was feeling. But as time went on, I enjoyed it. And I, it wasn't much later. It wasn't probably more than a month or a few months that they wanted me to sign up for the team they had there because I mean, my parent, my dad liked going, my mom, my mom liked it, but didn't have much time, but they wanted me to get there more and do it a lot on my own and actually start to learn because I wanted to get better. I was really excited about getting better. And so they saw a flyer for the youth team and 
they signed me up. I went and met with the coach and that from then on, I would go, I think like once or twice, like two days a week was how often I would go. It was a group of kids, um, all of which I became pretty close with a really great coach. His name was Brian and, uh, it was really fun. And that's kind of like the start. And as I went on, uh, I just got hooked on improvement training and all that. Um, and those are like my two big ones. I've always, I skied from when I was probably four or six, something around those, something along those lines till when I was around 12 or so, I probably switched to snowboarding mm-hmm. and did that the past couple of years. And this year I actually finally gotten an AT setup. So I, I was really psyched on getting back on skis and also just, starting to do some touring. Um, my girlfriend got me into it and I went once with some rental gear and I was hooked off the bat. I was like, this is the only cardio I've ever done that I enjoy. Um, (laughs) and yeah, just those. And then just my general like passion for outdoors has always been something that I really loved. I've always been the outdoor kid and Mm -hmm. being from a suburb right outside of right outside of LA. It was kind of rare. All my friends, thought was like a little bit odd but also they were they all liked it i got them outside occasionally and that was really fun as well yeah yeah super cool um so you you immediately felt like this attraction to water and how the water moves and how the raft goes down and how you're able to like sit in this rubber raft and and make it down the rivers and then you immediately felt you know the first time you went climbing this uh you know this itch you couldn't quite scratch to go out and and to take on uh another really I guess, niche outdoor activity. Uh, was it a similar feeling that you felt between the two or, or was climbing even more intense than what you felt as a kid on the water? It's really interesting because rafting's always been a little bit um, less of my identity than climbing. Or originally when I started climbing, climbing quickly became my whole identity. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. And it was all I did. And that was actually a really negative impact on my mental health. For yeah. a few years, a lot of athletes have this struggle, um, especially a lot of like really, really psyched climbing athletes, because it's a it's a life, it's like a life, but it also needs not to be your whole life. Right. It's a really hard balance that a lot of people find because a lot of people in the climbing world find that that's everything they have. And then for me, the thing that took me out of it was a really severe um, injury of a pulley, which is one of the ligaments in your finger that I had a really severe injury of that. And I was essentially out of the game for seven or eight months. I was basically unable to climb, which was definitely a lot, took a lot longer that I could have gotten back sooner. I just was really scared and really hesitant. And it's only now just over a year later that I am, I'm finally at that strength again. In some aspects, I'm stronger in my right hand specifically. I'm still a little bit weaker. Um, but that like moving away from climbing in that sense really helped me. Mm-hmm. And what it also helped me do is get my identity back with other things I love, such as like rafting. Last summer was the most psyched I've ever been on rafting. And with the COVID pandemic, it was kind of a bad one to have that happen. I mean, extent yeah. <laughs> of what I got to do since me and my family don't have much, uh, we don't have a boat, we don't have anything along those lines. I had to drive um, 16 hours round trip to Northern California to buy a boat from a friend of mine. And then the rest of my summer was just rolling in my, in my pool, 
uh, getting really good at that. And then once I got out to Fort Collins, the like month I had before the water was, the river was all frozen that I could actually start to learn to paddle in some white water. I think that leads really well into something that I admire about you, which is you're a very, you know, Instagram is a lot of like the highlights and you see a lot of, I did this so great. I did this so great. Uh, you take kind of a different approach of like, Hey, here's a story about when I screwed up and like what I learned from, from these, uh, these times. And you're talking, this is a really huge topic. So I don't want to cut off a too big of a piece of pie here, but like the mental health of, of youngsters growing up where you find something where you find your crew, like that does become what you did for me. It was football. So everything I did was football. And I got to that point where I was done with football and I was like, okay, you've been Dan, the football guy for 15 years. You know, that's been what, that's been what you've done. That's what you did. Well, people liked to watch you play the sport. You were good at it. And now it's, it's kaput. It's over. And so like, I had that same like reinvention uh, when I got into whitewater as well. And I was like, wow, I can do something different. I can, mm-hmm. I can rebrand, I guess. And so uh, it was, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say it as well as you just did that it is, it's like a mental health identity crisis where you have to completely reframe your life and, and decide what to do. But I will tell you, I was never good and I still struggle with it of, of showing people the bad stuff. So I guess what encouraged you, you had a, you had a really good post uh, talking about kayaking where you had some bad experiences, uh, some scary experiences. What, yeah. I guess, what drives you to share those to people? Yeah. So I'll kind of encompass a lot of that. Um, so I've done, I've done a few posts on my Instagram that are kind of a similar genre. I did a post about my kayak experience. Mm-hmm. And um, another one that I think is very similar is I did a post about uh, eating disorders with, and my specific experience with an eating disorder. And I think a lot of it comes from, and the way I talk about it often is I describe it as I learned from my own mistakes and I learned from others' mistakes. Yeah. And I make a lot of mistakes. And I think a lot of people do. Um, most people probably make a few less than I, because I like to take risks. I like to like push boundaries, push my limits. And there's a line at which pushing your limits becomes risky and not, not justifiable. There's an ethics behind it. And, um, my, the way I justify a lot of my limit pushing, not justify it per se, sort of in retrospect, I justify it is by sharing those experiences and hoping that I can change other people's lives positively. And when it comes to like mental health, I share my experiences with mental health very openly because what's more important to me than showing, than making people think that I'm perfect and hiding these flaws is helping others push through them. And that's something I've always been very passionate about is like helping my friends, helping even people I don't know with issues that are important to me. And mental health is a really big one. Um, it's kind of an education thing almost. That's why I like to post yeah. about like training as well. But when it comes that let's go, I'll talk about the um, posts a little bit specifically about my experience in a kayak. So that was like an experience I had that I'm almost, I was pretty embarrassed to share because mm-hmm. Safety in the whitewater community is a pretty big deal. You don't want to boat with someone that's unsafe and you don't want to advertise being unsafe. You want to, a lot of people in the community advertise 
doing gnarly stuff. I mean, when it comes to hard shell kayaking, the pinnacle of it is running these massive waterfalls and who can run a higher waterfall, which is inherently dangerous. As you get higher, <laughs> it's going to get more dangerous. And so there's this line of like pushing our limits with things that are immensely risky and even just general boating is immensely risky. Yeah. But also with that is like the, the thought process that everyone needs to be safe and you can't be putting others at risk and it's unsafe to put others in a poor situation because you don't want to be, you don't want to follow proper precautions. So it's this weird balance. And I've always been immensely passionate about safety on the river because when I was around 12 years old, I was actually on a trip with uh, fatality and that definitely put me in a weird position where the river terrifies me in a way. Um, I, a lot of the times before I get in a boat, I feel that like sinking sensation in your stomach that like feels like something bad is going to happen. And it's actually interesting is I've called off runs because of that. Yeah. I'll like, I've had runs where I got in my kayak. I was uh, in the line and I screwed something up and I like got stuck in an eddy. And I, I remember specifically when that happened, I was like, nope, fuck this. And I got out of the river and I left. And I was, that's one of those things that it's just a lot of people wouldn't think twice about it, but because I've seen the consequences, especially as a younger kid, when I couldn't process it as well, I really just, there are some things that I just can't risk at all. And Obviously, like a lot of the general rules of whitewater, wear your PFD, don't um, know what you're like, know how to handle situations that they go wrong. Have your gear, check your gear, you know, don't have risky lines, uh, have locking carriers. Just like general little, little rules people follow. I mean, yeah. PFDs and helmets are a big one. Like use your personal protective equipment. It's not running whitewater without a PFD and without a helmet when it's necessarily, is just stupid. Right. There's no... Um, those are all so ingrained in my head because of that one experience. And because of my growing up rafting, I did a uh, junior guides camp for two summers. And so I can, you can only imagine with these like safety precautions, you have to take generally boating when you have groups of just children with parents who like brought their kids to you for a camp, you can't mess anything up. Like oh, yeah. those are, those are the times when people are on their A game because I mean, there's nothing more valuable to people than their kids. And you can't, you can't risk anything with that. Right. So all my experiences, I had a very like strong boating philosophy about safety, but for some reason, the psych I had with my kayak just kind of screwed that up in a little bit. And essentially I'll give this brief version of the story is I found this rapid when I was just well up with my climbing friends in the pooter. And I brought my boat cause I wanted to run some like easier things. That was kind of what I was doing since I didn't really have any boating friends yet, mm -hmm. I was kind of running little class two, three rapids, like learning to paddle through some white water and also right. just some water in the Poudre river, which is right by Fort Collins and my school. And I would usually end up going with my climbing friends. Cause you know, while there, none of them are so far rescue anything I've had over 13 years of experience on white water and they're at least somewhat athletes. And I was running stuff that I essentially knew 
the con if something went wrong, it wasn't going to be, it was like, uh, something else would have gone wrong in lieu of it. Right. Like we'd be right. more like drive off the road than have something go wrong on these rapids. Sure. But we were up in the river and we were climbing and I saw this rapid from the road that was like, that looks insanely cool. And from the road, I was what, 30 feet above it. So I didn't really see it very well. And I thought it's probably class two and my or class three might be a class four, my first class four in a hard shell. And when they were climbing, I went to scout it and it was, it was big. It was Gnarly. definitely five, five plus. I, I knew it was five plus, but I was kind of like, it could be five. I didn't, I wanted to like almost say it could be easier in my head. So I didn't think I was better than I was, Yeah. but I scouted it and my friends were done climbing. I told them my plan. I told them the rapid and I gave them my um, throw bag and like explained to them a couple like safety precautions. Um, and that was what I did. And I got in and I paddled it. And the first run on this rapid, I did it not clean. I rolled a couple times, but I got through the entire section and I, the adrenaline was insane. I was probably more stoked than I've ever been in my entire life. And what also added onto it is there were some people climbing downstream that had been watching me. And when I paddled by them and took out, they were like cheering me on. And that my, I was really psyched. I was like, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a kayaking athlete almost yeah. in a way. Right. Um, and I got up and my friend who, my other friend who I'd given the camera to, he had messed up the record button. So oh, no. my, my, and this was probably one of my biggest accomplishments in my life because I was like, I just went from being a class two, three kayaker to being a class five, probably plus kayaker just because I did, I just did it. Like I was yeah. able to do it. My experience with whitewater prepared me for this. And I was just really psyched on that. So I was like, I need the video. And so I go back up and I literally think I ran up the road with my boat. I was so excited and I get back in and I am going for round two, no breaks. I mean, I obviously thought about it, thought about the run a few more times, but I don't really take the time I needed to. And I was also really exhausted. Right. I mean, from all the factors. So, and the thing about the second run, it was actually in a way better than the first, but what happened was I got just a little bit too close to this rock in the middle of the river. And I just slid along the right side of it and just like kind of, kind of skirted right around it. And it went well, but the issue was I put my hand on it to brace as opposed to just trying to keep paddling, which kept me up. I mean, I braced on it really well and I was able to keep my boat completely uh, level. But once I got around it, um, for those of you who are, pretty knowledgeable whitewater. I'm assuming you've heard of an eddy, which is where the water recirculates back up and it creates this line and in rafts, no big deal. But in a kayak, it's really, really difficult to cross eddy lines, especially strong ones like this without paddling through it uh, the proper way. So I only had one hand on my paddle and mm. I hit the eddy line and I knew, I knew like right before I hit the eddy line, I'm like, there's an eddy line. I need to paddle. And I tried, I think in the video, you can almost see, I tried to paddle with one hand on it to get through. And I was flipped like in a second, I couldn't even think about it. And the the momentum I had with my boat, since I was going around this rock, sent me right to river left. And I tried to roll and I just, I just had to 
messed up my roll because I was in some aerated water. Tried to roll once, just turned my boat a little bit. And um, then a second later, I bumped my back on a rock. And I was like, oh, I, gotta, I really got to roll. There's some rocks here. And so then I try again. And since I'm being, I was a little bit stressed at this point, I don't even remember if I got really any brace on my paddle. And then that was the moment that I smacked my head on a rock under the water really hard. Like I had some decent speed going with me and just saw stars. And I was like, that's it. Pulled my skirt and luckily got my boat out really easily. But that was a, that was a scary moment. I mean, I, I, like I said, my experience has been inflatables and being upside down underwater and hitting your head it's never, I've always been pretty calm under pressure, but that was pretty rattling. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like a pretty big learning experience, but this, I'm really like, what I'm most embarrassed to say is I didn't learn my lesson from that one. A week later, I'd gone back up still. And part of it might be, I was definitely mildly concussed at least. Yeah. And I like, I spent a long time trying to scout the rapid and I was like, okay, what went wrong? I went too far right, ended up around that rock. So what did I do? I compensated too far going to the left. And this, this rapid kind of had like two drops right after one after another. Uh, the first drop was right before the rock. And so I, I flipped on the second one the second time. And the third time I went so far left and I just went over a really poor piece of water and actually flipped like right on the first drop. And so I was upside down way before I had any uh, really like ability to roll back over. Like the flat section afterwards where I hit my head, I could have rolled um, if I hadn't hit my head, but I was already flipped before I had another drop and I felt myself go down. I was like being thrown around by the water, um, pushed side to side. I didn't hit my, I didn't hit myself on anything, but I was just scared. And so, after and after the second one where I did hit my head, I don't even know if I tried to roll. I might have tried once, but I think I just pulled my skirt. Mm-hmm. And what was bad about this one is I wasn't able to pull my boat out before this like shallower rocky section right below. So I was just getting pinballed. I hit my leg on this rock really hard trying to hold my boat. And I thought I broke it for a, until I got out of the water and could walk on it. I lost my paddle. It got stuck on this rock and I didn't get it returned to me for like a month. Yeah. So it was a, it was a really rough experience. And the thing about it is it was really gnarly, but frankly, it was one of the better case scenarios because even if every, if everything hadn't gone that far South, if any, if it had gone worse, I would have been severely injured. And if it had gone better, I wouldn't have learned this lesson, which was just don't boat unless the people around you are more experienced than I, than even I was. I have a ton of experience in inflatables and a de- I had an okay amount of kayak. Like the main thing was I was really confident in my role and my ability to read whitewater. But I mean, I, I hadn't had a swift bar rescue course besides just anecdotal knowledge and what I learned from junior guide camps and like the internet. Um, I didn't have proper training and frankly, someone with my level could have like done something, but I needed someone with higher expertise if anything had gone really wrong. And that was just one of the things about whitewater boating, no matter whether it's in a kayak or a hard shell that I, or kayak or a boat, 
that I just didn't really, I didn't ingrain it into my process as I had so many other things. And when I had that experience, I, I didn't know if I should share it or not because I didn't want to put out that bad, like view of myself in a way. Like I've been, I'm a lot of my Instagram is my friends, so I'm not truly concerned, but I couldn't decide if it was going to be negatively impacting on my image or not. And my parents from a young age taught me just honesty is like, I just, I don't believe in lying really. And obviously it wasn't a lie. I was just not going to post it, but I felt like it needed to be shared and I wanted to share it because of my like sort of prerogative of trying to share my experiences and help, help others learn and help others learn from my mistakes specifically. So I did my post and I got like a few people that were like someone, a few people commented like things just kind of uh, trying to be a little bit, a little bit disrespectful. One of them tried to like act as if they were being um, just trying to make me safe, but it was very, very aggressive and very disrespectful. And, but the majority of it was positive. And I think the main thing that I, the main reason I'm glad it's out there is that I can just show people and I can also use it when I try and have these conversations with people in person. It's that, it's that really tricky line to navigate of do it for the footy. You know, uh, we want the good footage. We want to be able to post that thing to uh, be able to walk away from a sick drop and feel good about it because it is hard to walk away when you've, when you've uh, done the work and you feel good about it, but you get there and you have that, uh, you know, that, those butterflies and not the good ones, the ones where you're like, ah, I just don't feel right about this. You know, the yeah. power to walk away there. That's that it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And I think it's just really important to realize that. And like, I've already, I've, I preached this long before this experience, the river always wins. Yeah. No one's stronger than the river. And it's all about, it's all about humility and ego. Uh, the river eats egos like it did mine. And yeah. if you're not humble, you're going to learn it. Uh, but the one qualifier I have for that is you also should know your, be confident in your strengths. A really good friend of mine um, who works at the climbing gym I climb at preaches this a lot to me because I'm very, I like self-deprecation definitely a little bit too much at <laughs> times, but it's about knowing your strengths and acknowledging where you need to be humble with them. And my strength is in a inflatable. If, if this was a, if this was in a small inflatable, I probably would have had no issues. I would have been really confident. And if things had gone wrong, one, the consequences of inflatables are generally less so that's one factor, but also in the inflatable, I would have known what to do. Mm-hmm. And because it was a new thing for me, I just didn't. And that's where it really comes in is you really, you got to be confident in your strengths, but you also really got to really got to understand where you need to be humble. And that's most of the time. Yes. Yes. That's a great answer. Um, I'd love to talk about your most recent project, which has such a cool name, Stoked Training. Uh, it's you taking your love of kinesiology and exercise science and developing programs that are, uh, are they all climbing centered or is it outdoor sports in general? Yeah. So right now what I'm going for, the the Instagram I have um, is basically just climbing training and I'm not I haven't really decided yet at this point whether I'm going to incorporate my other uh, projects into it. My current, my current 
work is I'm trying to do some research in the actual fields, um, specifically with climbing, but also actually with whitewater sports. I want to mm-hmm. do some research on what happens, the difference in energy production from your paddle to the boat. So like how the energy is transferred through the whole thing. And I'm trying to, I'm currently trying to figure out what, how I want to brand it. If I want to brand that under the same Instagram or my personal Instagram, but the stoked is kind of like this almost umbrella I'm trying to make for just like all the stuff I'm doing. So a big part of it is I do little like training programs for my friends and like climbers. uh, And they're all incorporating really, really cool information that I'm learning about exercise science and um, kinesiology, physiology, all that, that I'm learning from school, obviously, but also a lot of outside resources. Recently, I've been reading a lot of research. I just did an internship with Tyler Nelson at Camp 4 Human Performance. And he's uh, he's a doctor of chiropractic, but he's doing a lot of, he's basically just become a sports um, science and like trainer. And like, he's doing some really cool work because he really likes reading research yeah. and just shit. And so I'm doing a lot of stuff with those concepts of taking climbing from just being anecdotal you should do this to get stronger because the strongest climbers did this to get stronger and actually incorporating the physiology that is so pertinent to it. And so I'm using those, my training plans and I'm sharing a lot about them on my Instagram. And that's like what the main thing that I'm doing with Stoked right now, but I want to move into a lot of different things. Uh, One, obviously the whitewater stuff I'm going to do is kind of going to be like stoked, but I can't, I just can't decide if it's going to be, under that Instagram or how I'm going to do all that social media is weird and (laughs) it's tough. I don't, and a lot of it, all I, I'm, I'm more of with my whole experience has just been me posting the cool shots I got of myself and friends climbing, rafting, all that. And now I'm like trying to like use it almost in like a marketing way. So people are telling me all these things. I'm like, this is pretty complicated. (laughs) and I know, man. I just want to like write people plans and get them strong. Um, but it's fun and I enjoy learning new things like that. Uh, but a lot of it is going to like, especially this summer when I get into whitewater season, a lot of it's going to branch into that. Um, so this isn't really stoked, but part of the reason I'm so excited of like diving into some physiology and like kinematics is a lot of what it is just like physics is because I want to try and like break some records on some descents. I want to like some speed top records, um, with whitewater. That's kind of like my goal with it. That sport is to just be a strong, powerful paddler and just yeah. really good technically. And I mean, the one big goal that I've thought of is I, one day I want to break the green, um, the Emerald mile record. Like I want to, I want to get the fastest descent of the grand Canyon one day. And Epic. so that's a lot of the work I want to like dive into this summer. And, but for now, it's kind of like the preliminary stuff on that, but the main thing it is, is I'm doing uh, training programs for climbers and also other athletes. Like that's the big thing is I focus mostly on climbers because I know not only do I have the science to back it up, but I also have a lot of anecdotal and personal experience, Yeah. but I'm at the moment trying to branch into some other sports. Whitewater is an interesting one is I, there's not anything scientific on it. At this point, it's like one paper that kind of talks about the biomechanics of the shoulder as far as it pertains to paddling, but not even really. 
Uh, so I want to do some stuff with that. And I want to do some work for whitewater athletes right now. I could at most just give some ideas on like making your shoulders more robust. So you less likely of injury. Uh, but I also want to dive into some other sports. I kind of want to, I like working with high level athletes because I mean, it's what everyone likes to do, but I, I find it really interesting and I'm going to try and get some more, uh, especially with outdoor sports, like, um, skiing, snowboarding, I think would be interesting. And then just some like general sports. I mean, track and field athletes, I think would be interesting to work with. And there's all, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that I think hasn't been explored yet. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what I want to do. Hey campers, I've got a pretty cool opportunity. I wanted to tell you about real quick. Wildman Adventure Resort, the amazing multi-sport outdoor recreation paradise that I started my own guiding career at, is hiring for the 2021 season. If you've ever been interested in possibly becoming a guide, or you're a guide looking for an opportunity to get in with the largest whitewater outfitter in the Midwest, here is your shot. To apply, check out wildmanresort.com slash jobs. That's wildmanresort.com slash J-O-B-S. And when you fill out that application, make sure to mention that you heard about this from the Camping Out podcast. Tell them Dan sent you. And that's something I thought was super cool and something that really drew me to what you're doing is because I, for a long time, have followed training plans for for, uh, athletics. And so there were different, obviously different programs for uh, track and field and there were football. But, you know, at the college level, you uh, for football, you got like your printout every week. It was like scientifically entered in, but it was mm-hmm. to make you as bulky as humanly possible. Uh, you know, I, I weighed 225 pounds for a while. And, uh, you know, post post athletics, I look back at that and I'm like, geez, that was probably unnecessary. But it is interesting. You know, I was able to take my I'm about 195 pounds now. So that's what, 30 more pounds yeah. at that point. Um and I was able to do that and maintain that physique due to these different training programs. So when I, I saw you doing these for climbers and, and uh, as you talked a little bit about your love of, uh, you know, the human body, how it moves and how that could be translated into paddle sports. I was so interested because I don't think there really is that focus yeah. right now. And that would be so cool to, uh, to have, and, and, you know, I know like the high performers they've got their stuff kind of dialed in i'm sure they're talking to somebody but for someone who wants to become a high performer or someone who wants to be the next dane jackson to be able to take uh, a program like something that you're working on and to uh and and to incorporate that into their own training regimen i think that could be super cool yeah that's a lot of like what i find interesting and the the thing about like stuff like football is it is i mean football track and field people have been studying these sports forever Right. Because it's always been like, especially track and field, track and field, arguably the oldest sport because it's just running it in some ways. And so people have been studying it from literally the dawn of time. So it's all, it's so well known. It's so science-based, but the interesting thing that I often find is there's uh, not always this little niche of like what people do. Like with football, you just are doing general, like, training to get big and strong. And then you're practicing your sport. There's no like little specific football training that you're really doing. There's some little examples here and there, but the thing I think about it is with climbing with climbing, the general thing is, or like this really niche training is finger training. 
Yeah. And that's, I'm really fascinated with fingers and training, like the tendons, ligaments and muscles involved. But that's like this niche thing that if a climber gets their fingers stronger, they will climb, they will climb hard. It's right. just, there's a direct correlation. Um, obviously there are arguments to be made for how hard you'll climb based on your finger strength because technique and so many other factors are influenced but it's just this blatant thing that if your fingers are stronger, you're going to climb harder. And with many sports, there isn't really that consensus. Like with football or with a lot of sports, it's just, you're going to get stronger. You're going to do these general lifts and exercises to get stronger and fitter. And then you're going to practice your sport a lot and you'll get better, which works. But I'm really interested in sort of finding that niche. And I think Part of it comes in, climbing is a very weird and specific sport. So right. that's why that ability. But I think whitewater, skiing, snowboarding, things like that happen. Mountain biking is something I'm kind of interested in looking into. I think yeah. those things have a po- the possibility to find one of those, one of those little, little, little uh, trinkets that'll just get you stronger. And I'm interested in looking stuff like that. Yeah, like the micro facets uh, that come together and create, you know, the whole puzzle for you. Exactly. Yeah, and I just, I mean, the Stoked, I I made a brand because I really wanted to um, sort of just create like this like brand concept for myself. Like Stoked, I mean, I'm, I like to say I'm probably the most Stoked like paddler and climber you'll meet. My psyche is so high. I love the people, the experiences, all the above. And so that's why I kind of made it. And one other thing I, I want to also share is like, I'm kind of right now working on like almost some like little like um, knickknacks to buy. I want to make like for climbing, like chalk bags, stuff like that. I right now I've like printed some stickers that I like um, stuff like that. I think I also want to like pursue with the brand and in the hopes that, that one day I can actually like make some more specific products Um that people will really utilize well. Uh, climbing brushes, I really, I for some reason I really like them. Um, I'm just, I, I'm that person that really likes the little knickknacks, the little simple things, and yeah. I also want to like do with my brand. Let's say you have all the resources in the world to pursue stoked or uh, just your education or maybe the, your athletics. What would be your moonshot um, to go after? I know you, you said to break the record yeah. in the Grand Canyon. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's that's definitely one of them. That's like my whitewater. I like to set my goals high. I figure I set my like goals high for myself. Um, even if I undershoot them a little bit, I'll still do pretty well mm-hmm. in the grand of things. But I want to set some big, I want to set some whitewater records. I think that would be really fun. And I've always like thought about how to like push myself with whitewater. I mean, obviously I could run a harder whitewater this season. I want to get in some inflatables, not, not kayaking yet, but um, I want to run Gore Canyon on the upper Colorado, which yeah. is just like continue like class five after class five, big whitewater, dangerous, scary, but like I want to get stuff like that dialed and do some really gnarly whitewater. But also I want to, I want to push myself in other ways to be a better paddler and just like efficiency and like strength of movement. Um, so that's like kind of whitewater and also just really be like the most knowledgeable. I want to be the person that people, when they go on a trip with me, they feel like they're comfortable. And also I'm confident in my knowledge of what to do if things go wrong. And just, 
I want to be really experienced in that sense and teach people about it as well. Yeah. And when it comes to like my climbing, um, I, there's a level of just like adaptations you get when you start climbing as a youth athlete. And I didn't start till I was 14, which is still a kid, but it's not as young as these eight, these like five, four through eight year olds who I see those young kids. And I'm always like, man, I feel at such a disadvantage because I didn't start kayaking until I was yeah. 23. You know, I'm, I'm behind the eight ball here. Yeah, exactly. And so like what you see actually, that's really interesting is um, people who start climbing from a young age, their tendons actually grow in size. There's actually more like thickness to their tendons, wow. which is something you don't, you, you kind of see it in adults on occasion, like, but a lot of that's just inflammation, not necessarily the actual growth of the tendon and hypertrophy. Sure. So I'm never going to climb as hard as these people, these kids who just have these really robust tendons and their capacity will always be higher to get stronger. Uh, but I want to be like, I want to climb hard. I mean, it's a passion of mine. I love it. I love pushing myself. And that's why I train is to be a better climber, but I put it, I'm not going to set, set my hopes high as being a world-class climber. Right. I want to like, I want to, I like competing. I think it's fun. And it'd be, it'd be nice to do some national competitions, qualify for some of those, especially in college, in collegiate nationals. I definitely, that's a goal of mine that I think I can hit. And I want to climb relatively hard outside some upper level grades, but I'm never looking to push the like the 16, 17 grades that people are currently doing. And, but the big thing with climbing, and it also goes into my, um, uh, education is I want to be the best climbing coach there is. Right. That's like the goal setting for myself. I want to be the most knowledgeable. Uh, I want to be, I want to like inform myself with everything I possibly can. And I just want to be an immensely well-educated and well-rounded climbing coach. And I really want to like produce some, I really want to help athletes do better than what they even think is possible for themselves. And a lot of that comes into it goes back to my um, studies. I want to get I, my plans are to get my master's after I get my undergrad in um, one of the more specific fields like kinesiology or kinemat or like uh, biomechanics that I'm really interested in. And then I eventually want to get a doctorate in something really specific. I'm fascinated with the shoulder and the hand, especially when it comes to the like uh, tendons, ligaments, muscles. And so I want to like really dive into those, do a lot of research, like I mentioned earlier, and just have my education and my coaching abilities be top tier. Right on, right on, man. Uh, before the final five questions, is there anything that you want to bring up that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, I think not much. Uh, one other thing I do want to say about the whole stoked social media thing is a lot of the stuff I want to do, um, beyond just training is just some general, like I like social media stuff. I like, I mean, designs are one thing. Like I said, I want to print some stuff like that. And I like like taking photos, videos, stuff uh, along those lines. And that's a little bit of a facet that I also want to throw into all those things is just have a, have some cool media that I'm putting out there. Um, and I'm really, I really like to mess around, have fun, be goofy, yeah. uh, on top of pushing some limits. So I think I, it'd be fun to do a lot of stuff like that, which would probably be a lot more, uh, primarily on my like main page, my like my personal Instagram.
Yeah, man, you got a cool brand and I, I'm really excited to see what you guys do next and uh, see where you expand. Are you ready for the, uh, the final five questions? Of course. All right. Number one, we're kind of talking about this already, but where can we find you on social media? And is there anything else you'd like to plug or bring awareness to? Yeah. So my social media handles are my, my personal one. That's just kind of me and all my information is um, D I C K R dot N. It's just my last name without the E and uh, then dot N. Um, my other one is just stoked training, but there's no E in stoked uh, S T O K D. That's kind of the way I'm branding it, which I love. And the stickers are dope. Um, I actually, after I branded it like that, I realized there's actually a climbing app that has it's with a T, but it's the same thing. So I thought that was kind of funny that it actually ended up being the same. Maybe one day I'll reach out to them, uh, see if we can do something together. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. But yeah, so for my social media handles, and I have a website that I'm kind of working on. Um, I'm it's pretty pretty finalized, but there's a lot of stuff I want to do with it. I don't really use it for much. It's almost a portfolio of just all my work. And, um, mm-hmm. it has like my training schedule on it. Like people to sign up for slots, um, and meetings. Right on. Uh, question number two, what is your favorite outdoor activity and why? Uh, favorite outdoor activity. See, this is something I get asked and it's the most painful question ever because like I said, climbing was like my whole identity and like yeah. everything. And so I love it, but there's something special about the river and it's part of it's because I train for climbing five to seven days a week. Um, I'm out, I haven't for the past year with my injury, but I climb outside frequently when I'm healthy. Uh, but whitewater rafting, you don't really get to do that much. Some people do it year round and I want to be that person, (laughs) Um, which in Colorado, it's possible. I mean, you can run stuff year round here. I just really had the opportunity to, but I got to say white rafting, there's just, there's something about it, the river and that, and just the whole experience that just really the thought of it just really, really excites me. It just makes me happy all the time. I hear you, man. I agree. I agree. Uh, question number three, where's the favorite place that you've ever been to outdoors? Ooh, that's a really difficult question as well. Terrible decisions, but uh, <laughs> I mean, some of the rivers I've been on have been just mind blowing. The Salmon River, uh, the Rogue River, both just some places that you'll never forget. Um, yeah. But this is kind of the opposite. For this one, I'm going to have to go with climbing for the number one. Seyus, France is this mountain uh, that is right outside Gap, this uh, little town. And I went there two summers ago, I believe, to climb. And it was just an experience unlike anything else. One, I love French culture. The fact that they're like, everything about it was just amazing. Bread, wine, all of that, nothing better. But um, yeah, just this cliff is you hike 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on how fit you are and who you're with. Uh, and also how much gear you, you left at the top, which is just the <laughs> um, it's about a, it's like a couple miles, just basically straight uphill to get to this cliff. And it's one, it's arguably like considered the most, the best climb in the world, the most famous cliff, uh, some of the most infamous climbs, bibliographies on it. And so 
being there and getting the climb on that rock, that is just, it was just unreal. And the views from it and the climbs on it are just, it, it lives up to the hype and it lives up to like taking a trip to France and hiking up this, this cliff every day. Like people always are like, Oh, I've heard that place amazing, but the hike sounds terrible. Yeah. But I'm just, I can't, I can't express that. You don't even, you enjoy the hike after the, after a point, like it just becomes routine and it's all beautiful. Right. And you can't have one without the other. You have to enjoy the journey. It's so cliche, but you have to enjoy the journey to get to the yeah. result. There are similar, there are places that are of similar fame and consideration of like amazing climbing that you are, you literally drive up to them. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm lazy in a lot of things, but for some reason, honestly, I'd go back to, I'd go back because the hike is there. Like I almost didn't want to do the hike at this point. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, question number four, what is something that you see today as a blessing that when it happens, you actually saw as a mistake? Uh, easy one with that is my experience, um, on that rapid. Obviously those were obviously when I, when this first happened, I was like, I was pissed mostly because I didn't get, I did it. And then I didn't get footage. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, even though that's the silliest thing ever, like that's probably the reason I was most mad was because I really wanted to show people this sick line I did. Um, but I was also just mad because I was like in pain. I lost my paddle. I, I didn't, I didn't live up to my expectations of myself on that rapid. And so I was obviously not happy, but, Honestly, at this point, I am glad it happened because I'm kind of scared as to if I hadn't learned that lesson. Um, and a lot of people make mistakes. And a lot of people, a lot of my friends like, and people I know, old-time rafters, like some of the OGs have been like, oh, Nathan, like, don't beat yourself up for making that mistake. Like, we've, I've made much worse mistakes and done much stupider things. Uh, but I was really embarrassed about having done that because I was always like, so pre I was always preaching about safety and like making good decisions. But in hindsight, even though I still am embarrassed to say I did that, I'm glad I did because now I will never make that mistake again. Right. Right. Like you said, uh, the river gobbles up egos. I call it the great equalizer for that reason. So, uh, that's a great answer. Uh, before question number five, Nathan, I just want to acknowledge you for uh, just being so aware of what you're doing and, uh, you know, having those interactions with people and being able to be humble and to take uh, the things that you've learned personally and to be open and honest about those things and to share them so other people can take that wisdom that you learned the hard way and maybe not make the same mistake. Uh, I think you're chasing your passions and, and lining them up with your career, which I don't think enough people do. And uh, I'm, I mean, you're 20 years old. I'm really stoked to see. I, I mean, stoked literally. Um, um, to see what you do next and, and see where to take the brand and where you see, uh, you know, your own personal goals. I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold you to that grand Canyon record. I'm not going to let that one slip. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not like going and spreading around because obviously I'm in, I'm in no position to, to be pushing it right now, but mm-hmm. I'm telling, I'm telling a few people in the hopes that they will, they will push me to do it. And I mean, I, with climbing, I love training. I love bettering myself at climbing and that's because I have this like sort of goal. I mean, always getting better and also mm-hmm. proving that the stuff I do works. That's one other thing, but yeah. it's, it's cool to have this like concept of, of a like goal, like something to push me in with whitewater because 
I mean, I could do with what I got right now. I could, I could run most servers in the world, just going down them um, in a boat in the inflatable, but I want to, I want to make that hard. I want to make it hard. I want to do something hard. Right on, man. And, and when you speak it into the universe, you give it power. So I, I'm here for exactly. it. All right. Last question. Question number five. You ready? Yeah. When it's all said and done, when you are dead and gone and all we have left is your legacy to talk about around the campfire, what do you hope people are saying about you? I hope people are saying, I like my presence to be a positive one of the people. I like to, I'm, it's, it's harder to express that through this, but people who know me know I like to just make jokes, uh, fuck around, just like always good time like people are always just make people smile laugh a lot of a lot of jokes about myself i like to make fun of myself to make other people think it's funny all <laughs> the above um and i also really i just like positive impact on people and i like to be a lot of people will say my friend actually says this frequently she's like nathan's the craziest person i've ever met that's her <laughs> first thing she says to people when I, like when she introduces me to people that's what she says so I really like that legacy of myself. But with that, I also want people to like, I want to leave a positive impact on people in a education way. Definitely. I want to help people just become better and learn from my experiences. And I also want to share my knowledge. That's what I'm doing with Stoked. And if people are around the campfire, I want them to say, Nathan taught me a lot about this, but he also made me laugh at the same time. Great answer, man. Well, Nathan, I appreciate you, man. Uh, I can't wait till uh, we eventually get to do our river trip. And I am a very mediocre climber, so you can probably teach me a thing or two there. Awesome. I'm excited right, for it. All right. Hey, enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll talk soon, all right? Sounds perfect. And there we are, my campfire friends. That is that for this episode of Camping Out with Nathan Dicker. Nathan's ambition is high, which makes sense for a guy starting a brand called Stoked. If you're wanting to follow up on anything that we talked about in this conversation, go ahead and check out the show notes. There you can interact with Camping Out with Nathan. You can check out uh, Nathan's Instagram, which is really fun to follow along with. And you can also hop into the Camping Out shop. That's right. We got a shop now. We got swag, hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts. Uh, We're working on coffee mugs and a bunch of other fun things for you guys to rep your favorite outdoor podcast. So go ahead and check that out. That's all in the show notes. As always, campers, if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please share it with those closest to you. Go ahead and share it on your social media. Tag us in your Instagram stories or Facebook posts. We love to see people listening. It means a lot to us that you guys do it in the first place. So to see what you're enjoying and what you're liking about the podcast is extremely important as we seek to make content for you guys. We'll see you again next week. Remember, adventure comes to those who go.